The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome to the uh, the show, Disability Law Show. It is Friday evening, but before you go and enjoy your weekend, we'll, uh, we'll educate you a bit for the next 30 minutes. John Scholes here, as always, Savan and Albert in attendance. You want to reach out to the fellas anytime, toll free. You can discuss your matter, 1-855-821-5900. You got the uh, option of email, help at disabilityrights.ca as well, and uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. That's free. It's anonymous. It's searchable, and that's the way you do that through your phone, your tablet, or your desktop as well. But uh, we'll get through it right away. Got some emails coming through. They're piling up already, fellas, but we always start off with the case of the day or something you've been working on. Savannah, what do you got for us uh, today, pal? Hey, John. Uh, great to be here with you, with Albert, with our listeners. Let me start mm-hmm. off by saying that when we're talking about injury claims and compensation that people are entitled to in Ontario under Ontario law, it's not just limited to car accidents and slip and falls and things like that, which happen all the time during the winter. I mean, we get calls and emails about that all the time, and we help people with that. Uh, but we get other types of claims as well. So I'll tell you, uh, there's a gentleman that called me earlier this week, and I actually have known him for many, many years. Uh, and I haven't heard from him in a while. And then I get this phone call from him a few days ago. And he says to me, he says, you know, I went to this big box store uh, and he lives in the GTA and I was going to purchase a car battery. And I went to the area where they have car batteries and I put my hands uh, in uh, the area where the car batteries were to pull one of the batteries out. And, And then I started feeling this liquid on my hands and Long story short, he realized that some of the batteries just on top, uh, on on the other shelf, were actually leaking acid. Oh wow! Uh, and, and just imagine that, right? So immediately he, he he takes his hands out and he immediately starts, you know, putting it and 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 you know, trying to to clean them off on his jacket, on his pants. Uh, he tries to figure out where the washroom is. He goes to the washroom. He rinses his hands. In the meantime, as he's rinsing his hands, he can see that his jacket and his pants have burn marks on them. Oh. Uh, so fast forward this a few days. Uh, this happened last week. He gives me a call and he says, you know, I, I have, uh, I've been feeling numb in my fingers. I'm having difficulty with movement. I'm going to the doctor. I thought this was going to go away. I, I've been trying to clean them off and sort of, you know, put some ice on them, etc. Long story short, John, we are dealing with an acid burn here. Now, when he was in the store and this happened to him after he went to the washroom, cleaned it off, he went to the manager. The manager of the store couldn't believe it. He just said, no, there's no way this is happening. So this gentleman brought him to the shelf where they had those batteries that were leaking acid. Then the manager was just beside himself. Immediately he, he you know, cordoned the area. He, he told the people there, uh, the workers there, to shut out, to close off the area, to remove those batteries. Uh, and there was an incident report that was, that was uh, prepared. Now here's the one smart thing that this gentleman that called me did. I mean, he did many things that were smart, but one of the things that he did, uh, he asked the person that was with him, that came with him to purchase the battery, to take photographs yeah. of of the area, of the batteries themselves. Uh, and, and in fact, they, did, they took photographs and a video that actually clearly shows that there is acid there. Now, the problem is that, you know, one may say, well, why would you put your hands in there if there's acid? Well, you can't see it. The liquid was clear. It's only when he actually reached in to grab the battery that he noticed that, that liquid, and then he looked under and he saw that, you know, this is acid. So, 
obviously this is very very serious he's going to get probably a referral to a neurologist i would think because we're dealing now with numbness who knows what the long-term implications are of this who knows if he's going to need surgery who knows if it's going to affect his ability to work but there is clear negligence here on the store how can the store be selling uh, uh car batteries and have batteries in on their premises that are leaking acid so coming back here to how we started this conversation what i'm saying is that when you have uh, injury that is caused by someone's negligence and he, in this case i don't know whose negligence it is but clearly these batteries are being sold by the store so the store bears responsibility here the store manager already informed this gentleman that they had advised their insurance company and so we're going to wait we're going to see what happens when he goes to the doctor when he gets information from the doctor when he gets a diagnosis when he goes to the referral to the specialist when we have an idea of the extent of the injury the extent of the damage we are going to be contacting this insurance company and we're going to be dealing with them and demanding compensation the question is how much compensation and that's a common question we get as well albert gets this i get this people ask us well okay i was injured what am i entitled to Right, and when people ask us, by the way, they're not trying to get rich off of this. They're trying to understand what are they entitled to in terms of compensation. Remember, compensation, the the way compensation works in Canada, in Ontario specifically, that's what we're talking about. It's it compensates you for your injury. It doesn't give you something uh, for nothing. In other words, you suffered an injury. No one can put you back in that position that you were before. No one other than the doctors could potentially help them medically. But from a monetary standpoint, this is why box stores have insurance. This is why you and I have insurance when we drive a car. This is why we have house insurance. Because if we are negligent, and by the way, when you say negligent, it doesn't mean the store did this on purpose. Negligence, by definition, means that the person or the entity that caused the injury did not do this on purpose. In fact, insurance insurance policies contain exclusions for for purposeful conduct. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a mistake. This was a mistake. The store made a mistake. The workers there made a mistake. Something happened. Well, this person is now injured. He's entitled to compensation. How much compensation? That is going to be a factor of what is the extent of the injury. Is it a short-term injury? Is he going to heal? Is it going to be a permanent injury? Is he going to have difficulty doing work? I mean, this guy used to do a lot of contracting jobs. He used to work with his hands. Is he going to be unable to then continue doing it or perhaps be impaired to an extent? Let me give you a, a simple example. Let's say he's 50 years old. Let's say before this injury, he was able to earn $70,000 a year doing his work. Let's say because of this injury, he now can't do the work he did before and can only earn $40,000 a year. There is a difference now of $30,000 a year that he's unable to earn in income. Extrapolate that to the next 15 years, 30 times 15, do the math here. You're talking about $450,000 just for income loss. What about the pain and suffering? What if there is surgery that needs to be done here? I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. So my point is, if there's anyone out there who's listening, and it may not be the listener, maybe somebody they know who was injured, whether it's because of something strange like this, maybe it's because of uh, something else, a car accident, uh, a boating accident, you know, you rented a cottage, and uh, I don't know, they didn't have railways uh, or, you know, rails leading to the basement and, and you, f- you fell as a result and, and you injured yourself in a significant way. We deal with those kinds of cases all the time, John. We give people advice. It's always free advice. We don't charge anything up front, nothing. In fact, we only get paid if at the end we're able to get people compensation. If we haven't been able to get them compensation, we don't get paid for any of this. 
But the point is, people are entitled to this information. They need this information so they can assess what their options are. Really, really important. It's really critical. If you've been injured because of someone's negligence, even if you were partly at fault, but someone else was also at fault, right. you are potentially entitled to compensation, and we can help you figure out what that means. Albert, what's, uh, what are your thoughts on that as we uh, talk about that story? I mean, I mean, it's a bit of a cr- crazy incident and and very, very, very unfortunate, but obviously not your run-of-the-mill injury case, but just goes to show that really there can be tons of negligence that that really takes place and people people shouldn't just only be looking out for car accidents or slip and falls when when they when they get injured and sort of writing off other types of injuries that don't fall under those typical classifications but very very sorry to hear about your friend Savan and hopefully he gets better soon yeah okay, the, guys, one so, other thing john yeah, sorry john yeah, j- j- just just say one of the other things i want to mention here is that we've had situations and um, by the way albert is the king of this i can tell you that where other people uh, and this is also in the context of long-term disability, which is something that we do quite a lot at the firm, where they've gone to another lawyer, and another lawyer said, no, there's nothing you can do here. Either the insurance company's right, or you've been injured, but you know what? There's nothing we can do to help you. We are very creative in being able to create exposure on the insurance company. And what I mean by that is that we're not lying in any way, but we know the person is injured. We know we know that it may not be a clear uh, line to draw between the injury and the negligence, but there was some negligence. Some lawyers, and I'm just I'm sorry to say this, but that's the case. Number one, they're too lazy. Number two, they're not creative enough to figure out how to get the compensation that the person that is injured needs. I see Albert doing this with long-term disability and other injury claims all the time. Other people, uh, other lawyers in our group do this too. You know, our key thing is how do we maximize the compensation that you are owed? And this is an important point. When we get an insurance company to write a check to one of our clients, trust me when I tell you the insurance company is not giving charity here. The only reason they are giving out this money, they're paying our clients, is because they understand that if we went to court, the insurance company would get hit with a judgment by a judge, most likely. So they simply do the calculation that it is less expensive for them to settle with us right now. This is why I say to people, forget about what you see on TV. It's very, very rare to have these cases actually go to court because insurance companies fully understand that it's so costly to do that. But we're very good at that. We're very creative. We will listen to you. We will understand all the nuances. We will explain to you the law and explain to you all the options and figure out how to get that money in your pocket. You know, it's interesting too, Savannah, you know, I know we got a break here in a minute, but, uh, you know, we always talk about having, you know, photographic evidence on the spot when you're there with yes. your smartphone, but not just winter. I mean, this is a perfect example. Everyone's got a smartphone with them. Generally, if not someone nearby can, you know, click and there you've got a picture to back up your evidence. Yeah. You know, I remember, John, uh, about a year ago, my wife was involved in a, uh, a car accident. N- nothing major. It wasn't a big deal. But she was switching lanes, and another car was switching lanes as well. Now, I can tell you with 100% certainty that my wife was, in fact, right in terms of how she made the maneuver. She always checks everything. She's very, very careful. Not even a question in my mind that the other driver was not paying attention. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The other driver, the other driver, when they informed their insurance company what happened, of course, they said that my wife was at fault. And we see this all the time. It's always a he said, she said situation unless you have photographic or videographic evidence. 
So yeah, whether it's in this case here where he took photographs of this leaking battery or whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall where you're saying that there was no salt on the ground, it was not properly maintained where you fell, there was black ice, you need to get either you or someone you know to go as soon as possible and get photographs and videos of the area because I can almost guarantee you that whoever is in charge of that, whoever is going to be, you know, the receiving end of your claim for compensation is going to say, no, 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 I did everything right. It was not my fault. I, I'm telling you right now, there are people listening who are probably nodding their heads that this has happened to them. Yep. So please, if you're in that situation, either you do it or get someone else to do it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really helpful down the road when we are dealing with that person's insurance company. Emails coming up. Jennifer, your first standby for that. In the meantime, here's the number to reach out to Albert, Savannah, their teams. Uh, toll free, of course, 1-855-821-5900. And the email we're going to is help at disabilityrights.ca. We continue with more of the Disability Law Show. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And welcome back to your Friday night disability law show. Good to have you along for this half hour. You can always reach out beyond this 30 minutes to uh, Savan or uh, Albert. they got a team behind them as well answering your phone calls. No problem. one 821 5900 Website is disabilityrights.ca. Go there. Find past shows and links to our long-running TV shows as well. And, of course, that email is always handy to use. Help at disabilityrights.ca. With that said, Jennifer, thank you so much. Says, guys, I'm emailing on behalf of my sister. She was involved in a hit-and-run three days ago. She had to be rushed to the hospital in an ambulance, and she was unconscious. She suffered a major brain injury and broke her left leg. We're completely in the dark here and don't know what to do or where to turn first. What should we do? This is uh, an extremely significant uh, car accident, obviously, Jennifer. I'm very, very sorry for, for what's happened here. I mean, John, I've seen these things happen, and they turn people's lives upside down. They turn families' lives upside down. So first of all, Jennifer, thanks for reaching out because this is really key here. I'll touch on a few things, but really it's important that we get in touch after the show so I can explain to you, uh, to your family, what needs to be done because there are certain things that have to be done right now. John, one of the things we don't know here is whether or not Jennifer's sister was a pedestrian or whether uh, she was an occupant of another vehicle. Uh, and that's important to understand. Now, uh, in a situation where you are uh, in your own car or as a passenger in another car, and you are hit by another car who then flees the scene. So you don't know who that person is, or maybe they're not, uh, uh, well, they're not identifiable. You know, the question becomes, of course, what do you do? What do you do with the rehabilitation expenses? I mean, she's got brain injury, a broken leg. She's probably a catastrophic, she, she probably qualifies under the catastrophic mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, category for benefits. We're talking about significant access to medical and rehabilitation kinds of benefits, up to a million dollars worth, attendant care, where you need people to help you around the home, etc. Uh, housekeeping expenses for a catastrophic injury, up to $100 weekly. I mean, we're talking about very, very big uh, benefits here. But in addition to that, there is the other type of claim where typically you can go after whoever was at fault. And of course, here we don't know who was at fault because this person fled the scene. Mm -hmm. So they're unidentified. Well, guess what? You can also, again, make a claim under the legislation that we have in Ontario. It's Section 265 and 251 of the Insurance Act and under what's called the OPC of 44R. I know that this is a lot of legal jargon, but these are all 
Consider them as safety nets to allow you to claim pain and suffering, to claim future income losses, to claim uh, medical benefits or, or other types of, of compensation uh, that, Jennifer, your sister is going to require going forward, as well as compensate even for family members like yourself or, or parents or other family members who now need to take time to, to care for, for your sister, to help around the home, uh, etc. So there's a lot of categories of compensation here. And, and again, the lesson here is this. Number one, Jennifer, it's really key to do certain things right now from a legal standpoint. I can't speak to the medical, but from a legal standpoint, those excellent benefits, we have to access them now. And number two, that tort claim, that larger claim for pain and suffering and future losses and all that, we need to probably start that now or at least notify the insurance company that we're going to be starting that fairly quickly and then start getting all of the medical documentation, everything else that is required to, to uh, properly adjudicate this claim for the insurance company immediately. Now, keep in mind, you have situations, John, also when you have somebody who has no access to insurance, somebody who is still injured as a result of an unidentified vehicle, a hit and run. What do you do in that situation? Well, again, we have a safety net. We have what's called the Motor Vehicle Accident Claims Fund. MVACF. The benefits are still available. The quantums may be different, but again, you are potentially entitled to that money. If you've been injured, if you were a pedestrian, you have no access to automobile insurance, uh, and whoever hit you fled the scene. So again, we can explain all this. So Jennifer, let's get in touch after the show. There's a lot that we have to explain to you, to the families, just so you guys understand what it is that you're entitled to and what needs to be done right now. Jennifer, appreciate you uh, reaching out. Of course, you've got the email. That's how we had our contact with you. You're uh, toll free now. I'll give you the number to carry on, one 821 5900 Okay, Jason, I'm going to throw this your way, uh, Albert. Uh, Jason says, my son was walking to work. He's a waiter last week, and just as he crossed a busy parking lot, a car hit him. He was thrown to the ground and fell hard and broke his right ankle two places. He needs surgery, and the doctors say that is a very serious break. What should we do? Uh, what should he do legally, I mean? Hi, Jason. Well, thanks for writing in, and very sorry to hear about your son. Uh, as, as we often suggest, I think your son should contact a lawyer immediately and he should also contact if he has or if he's under your insurance his own insurance company and so as we've spoken about before most accidents are typically broken down into two potential cases or avenues of recourse tort which is the recourse against the driver that hit your son and then accident benefits which are legislated benefits in which your son's insurers insurer or your insurer would be able to provide some benefit or some funding for things like rehabilitation expenses, attendant care if your son needs it, loss of income benefits, things like that. But these are typically limited and the rest of the recourse is left to that tort case, i.e. against the driver that hit your son to cover. And so the tort case is broken down into two large components. One, who is at fault? And two, what are the value of the injuries and damages? So generally speaking, as a pedestrian, when you're hit by a car, the driver that hits you has a presumption of fault. It means that, generally speaking, the law assumes that the driver that hits the pedestrian is at fault for the accident. So all of this is good for your son uh, in, in terms of proving his case and proving that he wasn't at fault. Not knowing all the facts, this means that a court would likely find that the driver that hit your son is at fault. And then in terms of damages, your son has an objective right angle injury. Of course, 
of course, this is going to impact his ability to work. And so in terms of damages alone, your son's case should be worth well over six figures, well over $100,000. And then the only other wrinkle is that your son was on his way to work. So there's a chance that this invokes the work, Workplace Safety Insurance Board legislation, which would either mean that either your son cannot sue or he has to elect as to whether or not he wants to start a legal claim or pursue recourse through WSIB. Either way, the point is this. Many nuances to your son's case. There's lots of things going on. He should absolutely speak to a lawyer as soon as possible. I'm happy to speak to him if uh, speak to him or speak to you on his behalf if you want to. We'll do it free of charge. So give us a call. Joe, what do you think about uh, this particular uh, this particular case or what happened, Savan? So I agree with everything that Albert said here. Uh, one thing I want to pick up on, which is the workers' compensation part. Now, we don't do workers' compensation claims, but there is uh, oftentimes confusion, uh, not just by individuals out there. I get these questions all the time, but by lawyers themselves. And some of them are the lawyers that work for insurance companies even, where they say it's a workers' compensation case, and we say, no, it's not. And there are rules surrounding that. Ideally, from our perspective, you don't want it to be a workers' compensation case. And I mean, you can he you can read yourself in the Toronto Star and other publications the nightmares that people have gone through with workers' compensation. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, that's not something that we typically like to see. I will tell you, though, that in many cases, people have gone to a lawyer. The lawyer said it's a workers' compensation case. And we were able to resolve it, notwithstanding that, because we were able to figure out that, in fact, if you delve into the details, and again, the, the devil is in the details, it's not, in fact, a workers' compensation case. But what Albert's highlighting here is that it does become an issue sometimes. And so you want to make sure that when you get legal advice, you get it from the right person. Because if you don't get it from the right person, the right lawyer, a lawyer that deals in this area of law, that has experience in this area of law, you're going to be at risk of being told an incorrect answer or being told something that may end up costing you money that otherwise you could have gotten. You know, when we first started the firm uh, many, many, many years ago, I had a very good colleague and a friend who actually referred the case to me on the basis of workers' compensation. Uh, I, at that time, uh, you know, was fairly young uh, and I just didn't take no for an answer. And, and I hmm. really, you know, dug, dug my teeth into the case. I still don't, by the way, take no for an answer, but uh, I, I dug my teeth in the case. I dealt with the insurance company and, uh, you know, we ended up getting this gentleman $100,000 for his injury. It, it was it was a broken ankle as well. He, he was actually uh, a, a courier downtown Toronto. Uh, so, again, very, very important to understand that if you go to the wrong lawyer or even if you go to the right lawyer and you don't get the answer that you're seeking, get a second opinion, get a third opinion. I mean, we do this with medicine all the time, right? We get mm -hmm, second yeah. and third opinions. So if you don't get the answers you want, and that applies to us too. If we tell you we think you have no case... We're giving you our best assessment. Maybe you should get someone else to tell you what they think. But we know what we're doing. I can tell you that. We've been doing this for a long time. Albert's been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for a long time. We've also, some of us have also worked for insurance companies in the past. So that gives us a very unique perspective. Not every lawyer you're going to go to that deals in this area of law has worked for the other side. Right, So that allows us to understand where the pressure points are and what we can do to maximize the amount of money that we can put in your pocket. It's as simple as that. You need the information you need, and you want to make sure you get it from the right source, just like with doctors. 
Well done, guys. That'll wrap it up for a Friday. On to the weekend you go. I'll leave you with some contact information to reach out to Savannah Albert. Anytime you would like, toll free. We'll give you that number again, one 821 5900 Email address we always use. Thank you, Jennifer and Jason, by the way. Help at disabilityrights.ca. You have mydisabilityquestions.com and ltdfaq.ca. That's a unique little site. Simple, easy to read and digest memos about LTD. ltdfaq.ca. Of course, it's free and anonymous as well. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.